0: This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is February twelfth, twenty twenty one. There's a whole thing happening around the democratization of investing, of finance, and it's a democratization not only of access, but also of knowledge. You can just go on investopedia.com or Google or YouTube or TikTok and start to educate yourself instead of, for instance, going to a business school and getting an MBA degree. I'm not saying that these two things are the same, but information is readily available. It's real time, and communities are able to band together to not only educate one another, but to actually move markets. When we talk about tech news, there's the technology that we use today, and there are the stepping stones towards the technology that we will be using in the future. And so, as much as possible, we want to try to skip ahead five, 10, even 20 years and try to imagine what the world will look like then and then almost rewind the tape back to 2021 and see if we can identify the events that are happening now and how they might contribute to that eventual future or one of those eventual futures that at this point we're not sure exactly which one's going to be, but we can sort of start to imagine the various possibilities. Before we get into it, I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe. If you've already subscribed, leave a review. If you've already left a review, tell a friend. If every person listening to this podcast tells one person about it, we will double our audience by next week. If you want to hear from me more than once a week, follow me on Twitter at Paul Canetti. And now let's get into some tech news. Tesla announced that they have purchased $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin and that they will start allowing Bitcoin as payment. When a company holds a lot of cash, it is not atypical to make some investments so that that cash grows. You want to outpace inflation. Normally with something like a treasury bond, you know, something safe. Putting it in Bitcoin is a different story. This is probably a good opportunity for us to learn about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain. I'm not an expert in these topics, just a fan. So I've invited on our first ever guest to the podcast. Let's call him up and see
1: if he can explain some of this stuff to us. Hi, I'm Sean Chang. I'm a partner at Consensus Mesh, the sister company to Consensus Software Incorporated. And handles all of our investment programs, such as our Tachyon Accelerator, our early stage investment firm, as well as our incubator for Web3. I
0: feel like so many people are getting into crypto just now in 2021. But when did you start following and working on this stuff?
1: I started being interested in 2015, 2016. The previous firm I was at, Vayner RSC, had made an investment in Coinbase. And a lot of it was just following along and really fell down the rabbit hole. Okay, you have young kids, right? Yeah, Petra and Milo, uh, one and
0: a half and almost four. So let's pretend you are explaining your job to your daughter. And she asks, what is Bitcoin?
1: Bitcoin is magic internet money that comes from software and comes from something called a blockchain. And what is a blockchain? Yeah, so blockchain is pretty literal. So it's a chain of blocks of information that are tied together. And because they're tied together, that's what makes them secure. The other thing that it does is that they let anybody look into the, the actual chain itself to say, oh, did anything get manipulated or adjusted?
0: So is cryptocurrency the same thing as blockchain or is it a subset? Yes. Cryptocurrency,
1: I would explain as one flavor of blockchain. The most important flavor, I would call it the vanilla or chocolate of blockchain. So
0: why would the CEO of a public traded company put $1.5 billion into
1: Bitcoin? So if inflation is at 2% and if you see a third stimulus of 1.5%, trillion about to be released, if that worries you in terms of making your dollar worth less and have less buying power, then as a CEO, you almost see it as your responsibility to protect your shareholders and buy something that has a fixed amount of value and can not be manipulated by a corporation or a government. So the narrative is an anti-inflationary hedge. And so Tesla, I think, basically spent 7.7% of their total treasury on Bitcoin.
0: And as far as accepting Bitcoin as payment, there might be some tax benefits there, right?
1: So $1 of Bitcoin to a dollar of dollar, <laughs> a US dollar, will incur anywhere between 22.5% and 40-some-odd percent um, tax, uh, unfortunately. And that's because it's treated as an asset? Yes, it's taxed as ordinary income.
0: If people want to learn more about this stuff, where's the
1: best place to find you on the internet? Yes, please reach out on Twitter. Uh, My handle is Chang S-H-A-C-H-E-N-G. If they want to learn more about crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the crazy things, I highly recommend The Defiant, Bankless, and maybe the, the block and decrypt as four potential places that they can simply Google. Amazing. I'm
0: excited to go down this rabbit
1: hole. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Great talking to you. Wishing obviously you and all your listeners the best. Uh, that was awesome. Okay.
0: I just learned a lot. I hope you did too. What's really interesting to think about is that you could pay Tesla in Bitcoin. They could keep that in Bitcoin. And then maybe in the future, they can actually spend that Bitcoin. Maybe they pay their employees in Bitcoin or pay for other expenses in Bitcoin. And what's interesting is you don't have to pay tax on any of that because you're only taxed if you convert Bitcoin into a fiat currency like the U.S. dollar. So in theory, a company like Tesla could just operate completely in Bitcoin. And lastly, of course, because of Elon Musk's stature and fame, simply by mentioning Bitcoin, mentioning that they are investing in Bitcoin, it actually drove up the price of Bitcoin. And so the SEC is very interested in what's happening here. Like, is it fair to invest in something and then drive the price up yourself by talking about it? Definitely more updates to come on this story, I'm sure, but that's enough crypto for today. Facebook is reportedly working on an audio service to compete with Upstart Clubhouse. If you're out of the loop on Clubhouse, Clubhouse is a new social audio app that has really taken the Silicon Valley crowd by storm. Think of it as like the hot new app that everyone is talking about in the world of tech and venture capital. They raised $100 million a couple of weeks ago. We covered it on the podcast. With Clubhouse, definitely you are still quite early enough that if you start telling your friends about it, you'll be known as the cool one that was using Clubhouse since the beginning. Even though in reality, a lot of these overnight sensations take months and years of simmering until they finally boil over into the mainstream. Facebook already recognizes Clubhouse as a threat. And again, in the attention economy, there are only so many hours in the day, and all of these companies are vying for those same precious hours. Facebook now has a playbook for this. They have cloned so many other social apps in the past and features from apps, most notably Stories from Snapchat, More recently, they created Instagram Reels, which is a clone of TikTok. And now Facebook and Twitter as well, by the way, are both developing competitors to Clubhouse before it gets too big. With these social apps, the network is really where most of the value comes in. So if an app gets too big where all of your friends or the celebrities or influencers that you like to follow, if all of that's already set up, It doesn't really matter if you have the functionality available somewhere else because you can't transfer the network. So what Facebook is doing here is hoping that they can match the functionality but leverage your existing Facebook network. Again, Facebook means Facebook the company. So this includes Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, Facebook, friends and followers from all of those networks. And if they can do that before you've built out a robust network on Clubhouse then maybe they can squash this little startup before it gets too big. However, Clubhouse is doing a really good job of building on top of existing networks like Twitter and even the contact book on your phone so that as soon as somebody you know joins a room, you're notified, hey, Paul is speaking right now, you should tune in. Other notable news relating to Clubhouse is that it was banned in China starting this week after it had really started to pick up some steam there And so Clubhouse is a worldwide phenomenon. It's kind of a badge of honor if China blocks you. So it's big enough that they would care. Maybe we'll get deeper into Clubhouse and my thoughts on it in the future. I'm still learning the app and really trying to understand exactly where it fits into the world of podcasts, entertainment, social media, etc. But I highly recommend downloading it. It is invite only, so you have to find someone that is already using it so that they can invite you. They do this so they don't overwhelm their servers by everybody joining at the same time. But I also think it's a parlor trick about seeming to be exclusive, and so it makes it more desirable. And honestly, it usually works. I've heard from a few of you that you first heard about Clubhouse on this podcast, and it gave me an idea for a new segment I want to start doing next week called Random Startup You've Never Heard Of. Each week, I will tell you about a random startup you've never heard of. And if you are or know of a random startup that probably we haven't heard of, feel free to tell me about it. Give me the name of the startup, a one-line pitch, and the website URL. You can send that to me on Twitter at Paul canetti or you can email technews at paulconnetti.com. After the break, we're going to talk about virtual human faces. Yes, you heard that right. We'll get into that after this 15 second message about our sponsor, Bounce House. Bounce House helps you sell one on one sessions and group classes online, built for one person businesses like personal trainers, yoga instructors, and nutritionists. Bounce House is giving away a thousand free licenses to those affected by the pandemic. Go to bounce.house to learn more. That's bounce.house. Bounce House, sell your service online. Okay, we're back. Epic Games announced a new tool called MetaHuman that allows you to create realistic-looking virtual human beings. Epic Games is best known for its blockbuster hit, Fortnite. They have a system called Unreal Engine, which is a tool that other game developers can use to make their games and basically think of it as really amazing 3D animation software kind of like what you would imagine they use for a Pixar movie. But its purpose is to create these virtual worlds where you can move around and interact with them and play. And they look so incredibly realistic. The characters in their games also look really realistic. And now what they're doing is creating a tool where you can create your own customized characters human faces, and presumably bodies, that are completely unique and original. But if you go on the website, and I have the link in the show notes, you will see video footage and swear that you are looking at real human beings. The wrinkles in their skin, each piece of hair, their freckles, and most surprisingly, their eyes look real. They look human. This reminds me of this website, you should visit it, called thispersondoesnotexist.com, where an artificial intelligence randomly generates a photograph that seems like it's a picture of a real person, but that person is just being created on the fly every time you refresh the page. And these characters, or I don't even know what to call them, metahumans, I guess, is what Epic is calling them, look so realistic that, of course, they are going to make for incredible video games. But think about all the other use cases of this. These could be characters in a motion picture where you don't even need human actors to portray characters that seem fully human. And of course the use case that I am most interested in is using these virtual faces instead of your own face for things like a Zoom call or other use cases. You know, if you've ever used MeMoji or some of these fun apps and filters that turn your head into an animal's head or into a cartoon version of yourself or something like that. Just imagine that being so high fidelity that It looked like a real human face, which you could choose to look like your human face. So maybe you have messy hair and you're not wearing makeup, so you put on a mask of yourself at your very best. But in theory, you could also put on a mask of anyone's face. And think about the implications on falsified video, misinformation, not being able to trust what you see with your own eyes. Give me a cool technology, I will find the most sinister use case. But this is seriously cool stuff, and listening to me explain it on a podcast really is not doing it justice, so go check out the site. Some of you know I'm working on a book tentatively called Augment Nation, Moving Humanity to the Software Layer. And as far as long-term trends go, I believe that everything that is physical is going to become digital. Maybe not everything, but a lot of stuff. And we're living through this transition, and it happens slowly. You don't notice that it's happening, but there are these moments. Oh, money is becoming digital. Even our faces could become digital. And again, in a lot of ways, especially in the pandemic, most of your interaction with other people... They're not seeing your physical face. They're seeing a digital representation of your face that just happens to look like your face, but they're actually looking at a video. They're not looking at the physical you. So we'll track this transition of moving humanity to the software layer, but that is where it's all going. I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe. If you've already subscribed, leave a review. If you've already left a review, tell a friend. And again, if you want to hear from me more than once a week, follow me on Twitter at Paul Canetti. I'm starting a TikTok channel also, so stay tuned there. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.